All right, we are live. Welcome to In The Know. We are doing a live episode. No idea how many people are online, if anyone's watching this. So we're just going to do a normal show. And as we see comments and questions come across our feed, uh, we will take time to answer them. Mason, how have you been? I know that you are absolutely itching for the basketball season to start, right? Right? Yeah. <laughs> or, um, yeah, I mean, it's... Uh... I mean, football started, if you're into that sort of thing. Um, I'm in the point where, like, early season, I care. And then, notably, most of my teams have it through the year make me not care as much. So, fingers crossed that uh, the, the Saints uh, are keep doing all right. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, I'm itching for basketball. It's been it's been long enough. We got to get the team. We got to get games back. Yeah, uh, football season started. I, I don't. I don't know. <laughs> well, for our sponsor here, DraftKings, uh, we have a little promo uh, with football coming up later. But uh, you know, that's we'll get into that later. Um, football season started. Great, fantastic. I wouldn't have known. Actually, I do know because every time someone tweets, uh, you know, like a highlight or like a football account, some football media, it just gives me another person to mute off my timeline. It's great. It's fantastic. So I appreciate the hard work, especially you, Ben. Uh, you, you you do a lot of that stuff. Oh, man. All right. Questions are coming in. Um, looks like we are live and, uh, you know, we already got some Saints talk going on. So I'm just going to ignore that, Mark. I'm sorry, bro. We're, this is a Pelicans podcast. Um, so we're going to start off talking about a couple of Pelicans related things and uh, talk about the league. And then, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll open it up. And as we see questions come in, if something's particularly relevant to what we're talking about, we'll also... Um, address that so right off the gate since our last podcast has been recorded there has been a signing uh actually a couple signings but two important ones which were two of the two-way slots that the pelicans have being filled uh darion sebron uh taking one of them as uh i reported on draft night he was uh gonna do and then isaiah brockington uh taking the second one which came to the surprise of many folks um there's something going on there, but Mason, when you first saw that news uh, that Pelican signed Isaiah Brockington, um, and in that tweet, you know, it said he had a torn ACL and he's recovering through it. What what were your thoughts? Um, well, I mean, the, the first question, the first the first thing that goes through your head is something along the lines of EJ. I think for most people, right, because that was the that was the one spot left up and down the roster, right, and so. The question then becomes, what's going to happen with him? It sounds like Isaiah, they expect him to be healthier, healthy before EJ, which kind of makes sense given the general timeline of both injuries. But still, um, I mean, it's, it's got to at least pique your interest to ask what's what's going on with with, with EJ. Because, I mean, the Pelicans externally are everything. They're doing all the right things. They're making him he, – he's, he's still effectively part of the team. He just doesn't have a contract, right? So – so I think that's that's the big question, and you, you were um, you were you were talking a little bit about the, the mechanics of how a two way contracts work, and and whether you know there there are different options to the Pelicans at play here. Yeah. So first things first, the it was tweeted out I think by Andrew Lopez that uh, Brockington tore his ACL or got injured uh, during his workout with the Pelicans. So, you know, those pre-draft things that go on in April and, and May, one, in one of those events, Brockington tours ACL. So it seems like the Pelicans feel really bad for the kid. And it seems like they do generally like him as a player and are kind of maybe finding a way to compensate him for 
getting injured under under their watch and also finding a way to sort of um, bring him into the organization, making sure he's taken care of. And that does not mean it has to be a long-term commitment. It means, you know, the Pelicans can't necessarily offer him a, a camp deal, uh, but signing him to a two-way perhaps gets him a little bit more money, allows him to rehab for the rest of the year. And then the Pelicans could waive him at any point which could be tomorrow. It could be in two weeks. It could be in four months. You know, we don't know when they can wave him at any point. If they want to sign someone else to a two way, say like EJ Liddell. Um, the interesting thing here is EJ is someone that they drafted uh, and, and clearly, you know, put, put resources into him in the form of a draft pick and the Pelicans are completely full on roster spots. So, the roster spot watch still um, is going on. It's ongoing. And I, I do believe that the Pelicans are trying to create this spot. I don't think they're in a terrible rush to do so. You know, if, if I don't think they're going to spend um, really good first to make it happen, right? If, if a good deal comes along and and presents itself to where they're getting an expiring back that can someone that can also contribute someone that they can you know perhaps flip two of their contracts for to turn into one that'd be fantastic and then they can slide ej into that spot and figure out if they want to hold on to brockington or perhaps sign someone else like john butler or you know vice versa where they create two roster spots and and so we don't know um and i don't think they should be in a, in a rush to do so because uh, you have until the trade deadline to kind of make these things happen. And if you look at the past where um, Najee, when Najee was converted, when Jose was converted, that's kind of stuff happened at the end of year. So you have a lot of flexibility with what you can do uh, with those two ways, but enough end of roster minutiae uh, Mason. There was uh, a big article out today on the main guy, Zion, Zion Williamson, and it was an exclusive interview that Will Guillory did with the Athletic, in 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 which uh, Jasper uh, Bibbs, I believe, is the trainer's name, the uh, former LSU trainer, former Jazz trainer. Um, he details that Zion's in the best shape of his life, and uh, he has a laser-like focus in commitment to you know getting his body right nutritionally physically from a flexibility standpoint mobility standpoint all of that stuff mason what are your takeaways from this article not not much it, it, it doesn't it doesn't tell me anything that i didn't already expect right i mean there are roughly 38 million reasons for zion to come into camp with the best shape of his life this year because if he makes one of the all nba teams he gets the rose rule criteria and gets that elevated contract extension so um this shouldn't surprise anybody. This is the, the now that Zion's got the contract locked in, which I think, you know, was I, I don't think there would have obviously had to have been a catastrophic sequence of events for him not to get that max as we're seeing now in hindsight, given that he, he got it given even with all the injuries. So this now becomes the, the biggest way he can earn more money on the floor. Obviously, let's let's put endorsements, everything else to the side. And so. Um, so, yeah, I, I, and I think that there's he's going to be motivated himself, too. I mean, there's a whole lot of reasons why he'd want to get get healthy and this is the best way to go about doing it. And I'm, I'm glad at least there's, there's publicity around the steps that he's taking and how he's going about it. Yeah. So, uh, I'm going to put a comment up, uh, from S deuce who says guys are starting to trickle into the building. I've heard that Zion stepdad said they were doing their own stuff and said something like, we want y'all to be surprised on how he looks. And the follow-up 
from S. Deuce is, my question is, have you heard the same? Have you heard of what kind of shape he's in? He's in or is everyone currently in the dark? So uh, as with all things Zion, uh, what information gets released is tightly controlled and uh, in very intentional in terms of what comes out. So I think if you if you read Will Guillory's article, he mentions that the program that they set up with this trainer for the last eight weeks um, was not something that the Pelicans developed, um, but they were aware of. And, you know, that, that is, that is something I, I believe that they were in contact uh, with, not, not just something that they were um, involved in designing. So he spent the last eight weeks in Fort Lauderdale. Um, we don't know. Well, the only people that would know are Zion and his close family and the trainer uh, and all that kind of stuff, like what actually went on in Fort Lauderdale. But as you said, Mason, I think right now there's every reason to believe that he is hugely financially incentivized to actually put in that work. And and um, I do believe that he is in great shape from like third hand, uh, you know, chatter <laughs> at best. I haven't talked to Zion. So it's not firsthand. I haven't seen Zion. It's not firsthand. I can only, uh, you know, talk about people I've talked to. Um, who may have who may have seen or, or heard him. Uh, but, you know, from third hand type of stuff, I can say that, yeah, he is in in, in good shape. But perhaps well, it remains to be seen, I think, in my opinion, um, what that's going to look like on the court, because fact of the matter is, if he if he's in the best shape of his NBA career, that's a very scary proposition for other teams, because when he wasn't in the best shape of his NBA career, he was what, a top 10 player. When in that second year, like top, top 15, right? So if you're telling me that you're getting a better version than that, um, that's scary. That's that's very scary. Yeah, I mean, all, all, all things that we talked about as, as probably in our last episode, we're talking about what the ceiling of this team was and and you you saying that the Pelicans are going to get the three seed and anything else is an abject failure. I'm pretty sure those are your words. That, that Just that's a direct quote, but... <laughs> Um, yeah, <laughs> direct quote. What are you, boss? <laughs> <next word? laughs> um, yeah, uh, so I, 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 you know, excited to see what it looks like on the floor. Um, it's going to be, you know, if, if he's out there and can give the team, you know, the normal type starter minutes, the minutes he was given kind of in the peak, uh, when he was in peak shape the uh, second year, there, uh, there's, you know, there's a, there's a lot of uh, opportunity for the Pelicans this year. Yeah, I mean, look, I think everything that comes out at this time of year, this is actually uh, relevant to J.E.'s question, is like, what are the platitudes to check off on a bingo card and what's relevant and uh, what we should take a little more seriously? For media day, right? That was the question? Yeah, for media day. Um, yeah. Actually, the, the original part of it is, uh, what are some media tidbits we should ignore uh, that will be relevant next Monday or on media day? Uh, and I think this, you know, ties into kind of what we're talking about at this time of year, everyone's in the best shape of their life. Everyone's gained 10, 20, 15 pounds of muscle. Um, you, Amazing. Know, you, you take three, four months off of basketball and all of a sudden you're in the best shape of your life. It's wild. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. Everyone's, you know, gone vegan or is on this keto diet <laughs> and they're juicing, you know, whatever, whatever's going on. So we hear that stuff every year, right? Russell Westbrook has reinvented his jump shot. That's a thing that has happened every for the last 15 years. Except for Anthony Davis, who admitted to not touching a basketball <laughs> for a few weeks at the start of the offseason. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, so you know it's a little bit it's a little bit difficult to for any of us to 
definitively say, Hey man, like this person's in fantastic shape or this person is, looks amazing. They're bad. They, you know, like in an open gym, they're hitting all these shots. You remember Nashville Jackson Hayes? I don't know if you heard the legend of Nashville Jackson Hayes, but uh, he was apparently like the next KD. He was in shots from all over the court and um, he looked, he looked phenomenal. And uh, we also heard that the legend of Nashville Herb Jones, and that's where the, you know, the genesis of not on Herb, uh came about and that ended up being very true right that ended up being like holy crap this guy is is insane um so there you have two examples of things where uh perhaps one where the hype didn't live up to to what it was programmed to be and one where perhaps the hype was undersold uh to to what it was going to be and so i think it's difficult for us to project but i do think that if zion is um meeting those like weight plus body fat criterias that are in his contract, which are super unique. If he's hitting those, uh, the Pelicans are going to be in good shape. The Pelicans are going to be, I mean, as long as he's on the court, right. As long as he's, and and the thing is like, at the end of the day, there was some discussion about how like, Hey, Brandon Ingram and uh, Brandon Ingram and a couple of the Pelicans, I guess, like led some workouts in Malibu, a few weeks ago and, and Zion wasn't there and Zion was doing his own thing and people were upset. Like, Hey, here we go again. There's, they're having these workouts. Like Jose gave up his national team's birth uh, or whatever. Like he, he wanted to go play for the Puerto Rican team. Um, and uh, he couldn't, he couldn't do that because uh, he wanted to go commit to the Pelicans. And, and if someone's making that kind of sacrifice and Zion's not there, I think like, as being one of the leaders and stars of the team, I think it looks not great. Um, and people were upset about that. But I think, again, if he was truly in Fort Lauderdale at that time, working on himself, working to make him the best version of he of himself that he possibly can be, then does it matter, Mason? Does it matter if he doesn't show up to – like how much does it matter if he doesn't show up to that kind of stuff, if he is you know, the top 10 level player that that we think he can be? Yeah, I mean, like, talk to me during the season, honestly. At this point, now that the co- contract's locked in, he's yeah, he, he's demonstrated his commitment to the Pelicans for the long haul, um, five years straight. I mean, I, 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 I want to believe that if he thought his teammates would care, because that, that's what matters, right? It's being a teammate. I, I'm, I'm much less concerned about the optics from a fan perspective that at this point, now that he's signed his contract, than I am about him being a, a, a good teammate. And so if he, I think if he thought that this was going to be a, a real problem with the team then things would have gone differently so i'm 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 not really concerned about uh, about that uh personally yeah i mean i i'm i'm i don't think it's a big deal on a scale of like one to ten i think it's like a two in terms of like an offense um i i do like roll my eyes at it a little bit you know he he had a quote at like media or not when he signed like uh, his contract where he was like, yeah, like, you know, I'm going to lead some workouts similar to what he had the previous year. Um, and he something along the lines of like, coach, just let me know what you need me to do and I'll do it. And, uh, you know, I think it's like a little bit of like, okay, just show me, don't tell me at, at, at this point. And I think that's what it is with, with everything. So, um, yeah, is it a big deal? No. Is it kind of corny? Yeah. <laughs> like, is it mildly annoying? Sure. But ultimately will anyone give, uh would anyone give a shit like in 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 four months if he's healthy and if he's he's on his way to another all-star appearance no (laughs) so so i mean i think i think that's where 
where we're all at with with Zion. Um, but I guess let's let's move on from the Zion topic. Let's talk about something very important that happened. Uh, one of the Pelicans, actually, a couple of the Pelicans were were playing internationally um, during EuroBasket, and now one of them is the MVP of EuroBasket, gold medalist. Also took part in eliminating uh, the other. Um, that is Willie Hernan Gomez. So we know how we know what. Are you going to take any credit for Billy's performance in the in EuroBasket? Why would I take any credit? Uh, because you were out here talking about how the Pelicans' biggest biggest need was uh, was front court help and a backup center for uh, for Jonas. I think Billy heard you and decided he was going to show the world why Schmidt was full of shit. And wow, he took it to Rudy Gobert, man. That was that was awesome. And now and now the questions are. Is, should he be the Pelicans' starting center in this season? I think should you know, should the should the Minnesota Timberwolves have traded four first and three swaps for Willie Hernan Gomez? Probably. I well, mean, look at that salary. One's an MVP. <laughs> <laughs> one's an MVP uh, in in Europe. So uh, you know, I think let's let's swing the other way, Mason. Uh, how much of a drop off if you're only giving them twenty minutes a game? How much of a drop off is it from Willie to from Jonas to Willie? Let's swing the other way. I mean, it's a drop off. <laughs> it is a drop off, but how much? Billy can't can't really shoot. Uh, Billy can't really play defense. Um, I, you've you've turned this into a Billy Hernan Gomez slander uh, session, and it's, which is ridiculous. Because why am I slandering him? I'm giving you the opportunity to say, hey, actually, uh, Willie could take those twenty spot minutes, and we can close with Larry and Trey, and you can actually use Jonas as a trade piece. And get something different. I, can't go there. I get. I served that up on a platter for you, Mason. You didn't take it. You said I'm slandering him. Come on. I, I can't go there, man. I can't do it. Um, there's too much of a sample size on an NBA floor. Um, but uh, I mean, no. I, I it, it's it's hard to contextualize it around the, the NBA game um, because, like, we've seen what, what his strengths and weaknesses are, and it's hard to believe that he's going to materially improve in any situation uh he's not going to get a lot better from what we've seen already right and so i think uh you know I, my my opinion of him is not that changed but i don't know i i, I guess what would I guess, you need I guess, you said he's not going to get a lot better what would what area would you need to see like definitive improvement in to be there to be like hey we can just use him as our spot starter i mean i think this defensive end is where you need to see the most like because he's uh, okay actually i don't i don't see a scenario where he's like I compare him as a spot starter to Jaleel Okafor when we used him as a, as a spot starter. Like it's not. Wow, happen. I think he's better than Jaleel. I mean, I, I don't. I don't think there's a significant difference between the two as far as what they're going to give you as a spot starter. That's. I mean, but but I think I think more practically as a backup five, I think he he helps you scoring obviously scoring the ball if, if you've got a lineup there with if, if you try to throw a bunch of rangy switchy defenders out there with him and let him kind of take a few isolation possessions. Like I, I don't see an issue with that, but um, you know, I, I, but I, I, I don't know. Spot starter. It's, I don't, I don't think there's going to be a lot there. Uh, Cause I don't think his skill set matches up well with the rest of the starting lineup. I don't know, man. I feel like he can give you like 15 and 12 in 20 minutes. And you get outscored by 15 <laughs> to his team in those minutes. Probably no rim <laughs> protection going on there. No, yeah, I mean, I, does it change your opinion at all about like any roster wise anything? I mean, not really. I think 
I think the Pelicans should still be looking to upgrade in all of those edge positions because they're, they haven't proven anything. So if I have an opportunity to get better, I'm taking it, but I, you know, I, I'm still in the camp of they don't need to be aggressive in any of these moves. And if the right move presents itself at the right cost, then to take it. And that may have to happen in February. Uh, we just don't know. So it's, I'm fine writing it out. I'm fine experimenting with um, giving Willie some minutes, uh, you know, uh, with Zion uh, running the second unit a little bit, trying different looks, uh, seeing seeing what what things work. Because if you remember two years ago when they first like you know Jackson's had multiple stints where he's been benched, and then you know he plays terribly, he gets benched, and then he comes back and he plays better. When they benched Jackson that first year with Stan uh, and Willie stepped in, and those bench units became uh, Zion. Willie, Kyra, Josh Hart, and Nikhil, like those units surprisingly just dominated uh, opposing benches. And a lot of that's just because Zion is Zion and, and no opposing bench can handle that. But, you know, it, it just kind of, I think there's something there for them to experiment with in terms of, hey, can can you juice up a couple lineups in terms of rebounding, in terms of, um, interior scoring and that make opposing benches uh, struggle because a lot of times when, when starters rest, teams go small and teams put a wing on the floor. And all of a sudden, if you have Zion and Willie just eating, eating all the rebounds, uh, that's, that's something, that's something that teams have to think about. So this is a pro Willie Hernan Gomez podcast from now on Mason. And we're not hearing any slander. Otherwise it's kind of crazy that the Pelicans have had what now two Eurobasket MVPs, um, because Melly was one. I'm pretty confident. Oh, I don't, I don't remember that, but I'll I'll take your word for it. <laughs> pretty confident that he was, but I could be wrong. Maybe his Euro League MVP. Um, no, yeah, um, and then Darius no, Miller was Nico a- Mirotic was a Euro League MVP. That's what it was. But did he win that after? Because yeah. he won a couple years ago. Well, I mean, he was Euro, oh. but this is Eurobasket. Anyway, sorry, uh, we're we're getting distracted. Uh, someone's gonna have to to correct us on on the status of MVPs and the different kinds that there are. Um, but uh, yeah, so I think I think the Pelicans' weaknesses in terms of their roster construction are still are what they are. So I still think I would like some. I would like some big man depth. I would like some guard depth. And that's about it. I don't want any wing depth. I want Trey to get all the minutes. Do not, do not get a wing that's going to take Trey's minutes. Um, obviously, like, hey, like if you trade for, I think here we go. Uh, this is um, uh, a comment up no, here. No, put up the one before. Put up the first, the first one before he. Because uh, <laughs> I just when I saw it. Bog, what's bog, bog Nano Bob. Bog Nano Bob. <laughs> What's a Bogdanov? I, 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 I need that to be defined. Uh, just make up a fake definition and we'll share and we'll put it back on the Bogdanov. Um, Bojan Bogdanov. <laughs> what about Bogdan Bogdanov? <laughs> Anyways. Um, yeah. So, you know, obviously if they, if the Pelicans uh, trade <laughs> for Bogdanov, um, they, that would mean relinquishing Jackson Hayes and, and Devontae Graham, in my opinion, is that is what would take from a salary standpoint to get the trade done. Otherwise you 
kind of risk entering a tax territory that you don't really want to be in and struggle to get out of later in the year. Um, that's what it would take. And, and that's a guy that is plays some of those wing positions and would cannibalize uh, some of Trey's minutes. So in that case, I would want Trey playing a lot of the backup two and a lot of the backup uh, three or four, whichever one Bogdan Banab's not playing. <laughs> I love that so much. <laughs> Bogdanov. And 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 an investment in the bench going small, just so you're not cutting Trey's minutes. Um, yeah. Uh, I yeah, I think it's um I think that's fair. And and the thing that seals the deal for me is the fact that there are a few teams that are probably gonna be bidding for Bogdanov's <laughs> services. And so I don't know if I wanna I don't I, I don't think he's going to add enough to the Pelicans to be the team that offers the most for him. It, it just because of the opportunity cost and then, which is Trey Murphy's minutes or even, even, um, you know, someone like Alvarado. I, I just don't know. I mean, I don't know what Willie Green's rotations are going to be. And if, and if for, if Devonte Graham is high, well, I guess in this scenario, he's traded, but just, I think that's also a consideration here is trying to predict what rotations might look like. And I, I want to make sure that the right guys are getting opportunities. Like you're, like you said. Yeah, no, I mean, and then there's also Dyson Daniels. You can just plug at the one through four, apparently, which there was a question here. There was a Dyson Daniels question here. I will find it. Oh, my gosh. Where is it? There's been so many questions, which I really appreciate. Thank put, you guys. for put up, put up Drew's in the meantime. What's up? Oh, Drew? yeah. Hey, Drew. That's that's my OG. Actually, Drew, um, I think about moving to Japan on a regular basis. Every time I look at your Instagram stories, I'm like, why am I not living in that country? <laughs> um, anyways, I can't find the Dyson Daniels question, but the question was something along the lines of, is he healthy? Yeah. Uh, it, has there been it's any four updates? above Drews? If you want to look at four that. above Drews. Okay. Oh, here we go. Yeah, it was like, have we heard any news on Dyson? Uh, yeah, so I have heard about Dyson, and he's totally fine from a health perspective, unless something's happened in the last week or two weeks that we don't know, and we're going to find out on a media day, hey, this person's had a season-ending injury. Um, you know how the Pelicans love to surprise us with that stuff. <laughs> but, uh, you know, when they were out in Malibu and they were and they were doing those, those uh, team workouts, apparently he was a monster at those workouts. Like, he was really cooking, and um, – uh, they believe that he can take some minutes um, pretty soon, which is another reason why they're trying to open up a roster spot, consolidate some of the minutes. You know, if you if you uh, send Devonte outgoing, that gives another opportunity to plug Dyson in 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 different spots. I would pre one of the preseason lineups that I would enjoy most is uh, is Jose Dyson, Herb Zion, and Trey Murphy. That would be, I mean, for. It'd be fun in the regular season too, obviously, but I'm not sure how much run it would get. So I, I kind of want to see it in the preseason. Yeah, I mean, Willie Green's going to be like, "There's not enough Garrett Temple in here." So, uh... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, or Tony Snell. Somehow, Tony Snell's not even going to be on the roster, and Willie's going to be like, "You know what? We need uh, some Tony Snell and uh, some helping of Gary Clark, who's on a two way and who has no future on the team. We're going to throw Gary Clark in here for 12 minutes." And uh, Trey, you can just go sit on the bench and Dyson. I don't know. You, I don't even know why you're on this team. Just go play in Birmingham. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, anyways, uh, this is a fun question. Uh, what What do you think of Jackson's trade value? I look at Marvin Bagley as a rough barometer. It's interesting because my gut instinct is to say like Bagley being the number two pick has a higher pedigree and doesn't come with the pending legal stuff. Yeah. 
uh, you know, Bagley's a head case of a different sort. Um, but, uh, and, and I think had proven to be a much more competent offensive player, which gives a little bit of, uh, I guess, more value, I guess, but I don't know. I mean, I don't, I think you just have to find that one team that's really in love with Jackson because everyone was looking at that Marvin Bagley extension that, or not extension or what, you know, the new deal that he got with the Pistons, like why? Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> why would you give him that deal uh who was this suitor like who who were you competing against um i don't know i mean it, it just takes one team to think that he's the next robert williams or whatever whatever athletic big that is impacting the game but and they want cost control i you know i i kind of look at phoenix as a um a fit for him ironically i i think they get younger here. They get some cost control as they're heading into, um, you know, they, they, they have him at restricted free agency so they can like really like mute his market if they need to. They he lost Javelle and Jackson and Javelle. Uh, <laughs> I don't want to draw a line there, but, um, you know, with Chris Paul, maybe he's uh, he can be as impactful as Javelle uh, offensively. And, and if they can continue to develop defensively, maybe there's something there. I think for whatever reason, they're trying to get rid of Jay Crowder. And that would be the most hilarious trade of all time. If Jay Crowder and, and Jackson Hayes were traded for each other in some form or fashion, given what went down in the playoff series. And I don't, I don't know if new Orleans fans would, how they would react if Jay Crowder was on this team. Cause I'm pretty sure those fuck Jay Crowder shirts is still around. <laughs> they're definitely still around. I, I don't, I don't think there's enough of a longstanding track record for for fans to to hold hold a grudge still. Uh, I I think I think fans get over it. I think that I think that shirt would turn into a joke really fast. It's not like Crowder has been. It would sell a lot of shirts. What's up? It would sell a lot of shirts. Come on, uh, Boo Crew, get on this. Get on this. (laughs) Um, yeah. I mean, I don't know. I mean, so what? All that aside, where what would you if if Jackson Hayes was not on your team right now, what would you give up to get him? Absolutely nothing. I absolutely I mean, nothing, right? No, I nothing. I, I would not. I I the the all the stuff that's going on with him from a legal perspective still concerns the heck out of me. And um like no, I mean that but like me personally, I wouldn't wouldn't touch him. Um and like I kind of want to see uh, the Pelicans move on from him. But like even just like if I'm thinking, if I'm putting like a an owner hat on who to you know is further removed and maybe knows something I don't about the legal case that's ongoing with him or, or the civil, I, I I'm not sure where where the uh, status is right now, but um, that, there's just the the risk isn't worth it to me. I, I just I mean he hasn't done enough consistently at the NBA level on the floor to for I mean. For me to for me to want to go there, um, and so as far as trading something of value, so I, I'd say he's not. I I would I wouldn't go if I was him. If I was t- not the Pelicans, I would. There's nothing that really makes me want to go try to trade for him. Yeah, so I mean, I I'm kind of the same way. I just don't know what his like who would value him other than as a salary piece or just an in- intriguing throw in. And those things are typically valued as like second round picks at best. Uh, you know, from from pure compensation standpoint otherwise they're protected second round picks and you're just like because you you look at you know stanley johnson was the eighth pick and the pelicans got him at the trade deadline um however many years ago for a bag of chips and and it was like all right cool like and that's a that's a wing right i think the wings are a premium commodity uh 
especially at that point, you're like, okay, well, you know, we have Fred Vincent. Maybe you can turn into him the three and D guy. And there was nothing there. Lakers still hold that hope. Probably not. Yeah, there's just nothing there with Stanley Johnson. Didn't they trade him? No. Wasn't he part of the THC trade for Patrick Beverly? Oh, maybe. Yeah. I think he was. Yeah, yeah, I think he was. I think you're right. Yeah. That, the yeah. the J, uh, J.E.'s comment is pretty much what I was expecting <laughs> for yeah this one. <laughs> Crowder, Crowder and Jose <laughs> together just annoying the hell out of people. The problem is it's going to take 40 games for you to get 10 good Jay Crowder games. But, I mean, besides that, yeah. I mean, that's – Yeah, uh, one out of every four. That's a good hit rate. Yeah, it's like, it's uh, like one Jason Smith move. Like, like the Blake Griffin <laughs> situation, and that's it. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I don't I don't have high hopes uh, for, for Jackson, um, both on court and off the court. He's on court, there are no minutes for him. I, you know, I, don't, I don't know who needs to hear this, but there are no minutes for him. He, he sees himself as a four. He sees himself as a starting four. He sees himself as someone that doesn't really fit with Zion. Um, there's no minutes for him. Like, if you're putting him at the five, which is, I know there's a lot of hype about, oh, he, you know, he gained a lot of success playing at the four. He gained a lot of success playing with the best four players on the team rather than playing with Tomas Sanaransky and Garrett Temple and, and all those people who can't dribble, pass, or shoot. Um, he gained a lot of success playing with the best people on the team. And, and, which is great. You know, I'm happy that he's able to step up. But like if if he if he was able to hold down the backup five spot in terms of rebounding and defense um, and, and provide the Pelicans what they need, then there'd be minutes for him if he was better than, better than Larry Nance. Like Larry Nance, I don't think people realize, is going to get the vast majority of those backup five minutes. Like he's just going to get them. That's just the way that's going to work. Um, and... <laughs> Gosh, I just, I just read in the comment section. I got distracted. But yeah, I mean, I just don't think there's any minutes for him because the Pelicans are going to play those smaller lineups and there's just better players at doing what he does on their were roster. You, were you laughing at the Lakers question? No, I was <laughs> laughing at the Mike Evans question. And <laughs> and and I I have no idea who that person is. So it just, it just seems like someone put two first names together and it's like, all right, they're wearing a Steve Nash jersey after getting someone got ejected, I guess. I don't know. Anyways, uh, uh, this is this is the question I'm laughing at. Uh, it goes to know what I know about football. Uh, anyways, um, yeah, no. What do you think about do you do you see any minutes for Jackson, given his skill set? No, 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 no. I, I, I there's no. I mean, there's the the Pelicans again uh, harping on this, but they finally have wing depth for the first time in forever. And they're going to throw some funky lineups out there. And between that and having Larry Nance now, who's who, who can really he can play either of the, the front court positions uh, depending on the matchups. Like I, yeah, I don't know Dyson Daniels and Trey Murphy. I, I think this team's going to get weird. And and I don't. And Jackson Hayes is certainly weird, but I think there are other guys who present more of an opportunity longer term for the Pelicans than him at this point. And so there's just not a lot of decision making that has to be has to go on here, in my opinion. There's minutes for him if he was a 36% shooter from three and shot like five or six of them a game. And the time to sort of try that was last year, and they didn't do that. Uh, and I don't know if they have the runway to try that this year. We'll see. But he needs to be a volume shooter from three. And 
I think the percentages will even out. I don't think he's a bad shooter per se. Like I think he can hit about 35, 36%, but that's what it would take to get him on the court because that would, at that point he would provide a skill set that no one else provides, which is stupid athleticism and can shoot threes or, or takes threes. And, and look, I mean, the, the, the talking points from, from before when, you know, there was like, there was the hope about around him. It, it still applies. Like the, he did learn to, you know, he didn't start really playing basketball seriously until high school because he was playing football. And so like, there's, could his growth trajectory be different as a player um, because of that? And could there be more upside there? Yeah. But I, I think the Pelicans have invested enough capital in, in him trying to figure it out. And he's, he's not for multiple ways in multiple ways. He has not delivered. And so I, I, it's the end of the line for me. Yeah. I mean, I, I think, are there nights where we could see Jackson and Ants together? Um, sure. But if you just look at who's available, why would you not just give those minutes to Zion or, or Trey or, or Brandon um, and, and Jonas? So like I, the way I'm looking at it is if you have 96 front court minutes available between the power forward and center position, um, you have how are you going to distribute that between all those guys? How are you going to distribute that between Jonas, uh, Jackson, Nance, and Zion? So not, Zion, I think you would want at least getting 30, 30 minutes a game if he's healthy. You want him closer to 35, but you know, let's put the difference and say 33. Um, and then so from 96, you're left with yeah. 63 minutes. And Look, so you call it you have 25 minutes left after the after the first three after Zion, Jonas, and Dance. I think you've got about 25 minutes left to play with at most. Really? I think you have less. Yeah, probably less. I mean, I I I just gave I gave 30 to, to Zion, 30 to Jonas, and 20 to Dance, which is probably underselling Zion, right? But um yeah, so I mean 25 minutes left and and then at most, and then you've got you're gonna have lineups where you only have one traditional big in there, right? And you know, especially, you know, Trey, Trey Murphy, you want to play him at the four a little bit, Brendan Ingram a little bit at the four. Right. That's what I'm saying is like, if you, if you look down the roster and you look at all the options available to you at either the four or the five people who can play those positions in whatever lineups you want, which one is Jackson definitively better than? And then I think that's a fair question. And the Pelicans are past the point where you're just giving guys minutes based on no on potential in year three or, or year four. Um, so, I mean, if it's a rookie, that's one thing, but yeah. Anyway. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see what, you know, um, what it looks like in camp if a trade doesn't happen before camp and uh, yeah, we'll see, we'll see how they choose to handle those minutes. But uh, how do we rank JV as a center to, in today's NBA? Is he top 10 or just outside? I, these questions are always hard. Cause I've got to go through my head, the list of fives. Um <laughs> So let's start at the top, Jokic, Embiid. And so the, what, what makes it difficult is like, all right, well, is Davis the center? Are we counting Giannis? He's really made sure people don't think he's the center. So no, he's are, a four. Are we, counting, are we counting LeBron? You know, like ooh, people who can play center. Um, if we look at strictly fives, strictly, strictly fives, um, uh, you know, you have Jokic, Embiid, Towns. Towns, Gobert, Bam. That puts us at five. Yep. You still have, in my opinion, Jared Allen. Um, he's top ten. Have, yeah, this is quickly becoming clear to me that he's top ten. I think. 
Jared Allen, DeAndre Ayton, and I think uh, Robert Williams. Williams. Yeah. Yeah. I think I would put Jonas after those guys. I think that's fair. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so you wouldn't take Miles Turner over him? <laughs> I just Bro. <laughs> Miles oh. Turner, poor guy. He's got oh Sabonis would be in that group, but I think Jonas is better than Sabonis. No, you don't. Yeah, I do. Okay. I think Jonas is better than Sabonis. That surprised me. I, I thought you were I thought you were messing around. I again. was a big Sabonis guy until you know I, I really sat down and I'm like, look, Jonas is giving you more on the defensive end. Jonas is giving you more impactful rebounding. Jonas, what he doesn't have in uh, the passing because he's not a, a dribble handoff merchant uh, is he's making up for in just being a brute that doesn't get bullied and as, is the one that does bullying. So bonus, I think, plays a little too. I don't, I don't like using the term soft, but that's kind of like the way to describe it. Um, where where Jonas is is willing to to take the physicality in the matchups, uh, Sabonis is frequently um, overpowered by some of the bigger players, and and that's kind of a, a weakness of his. So I will take and and JV was better than than uh, Sabonis in in Lithuania for, for in this this whole summer, this um, whole summer. You you take Jonas over Vucevic, right? Oh yeah, yeah, cool. All right, same. yeah. I, I mean, I think in the past, like. Vucevic has had some years where you could be like, okay, this is like probably not a fair question, but I think Jonas is surprisingly people. If you look at like the, the any of the impact stuff, Jonas has always been very, very, very good. So I take Jonas, but Sabonis is a very good player. I love his deal. I just I I'm the it's it's the it's the competency in the drop defense for for Jonas that really is sells it for me. He's so been a plus defender for on three different teams, like three different contexts. Like that's pretty crazy. Um, if Gobert is top ten, is Willie top ten? <laughs> Where, where's some Gobert? Willie, yeah, where's Willie Hernan Gomez in the? T- <laughs> Would you take Willie Hernan Gomez over Miles Turner? Billy or Christian Wood? Go. <laughs> I mean, no question. There's no question I would take Willie Hernan Gomez. And I'm not being facetious in the slightest sense. You give me a team and 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 tell me which center you want on your team. I'm taking Hernan Gomez 15 out of 10 times because Hernan Gomez is widely regarded as one of the best humans and teammates in the whole league. There isn't a single player that doesn't like being around him and he like actively uplifts the whole roster whereas christian wood is very much the opposite of of that and and there's a reason that every team that he's been on has been pretty happy to 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 let him go and and his value was what it was um this uh this summer so yeah give me hernan gomez and i'll figure the rest out all right i i can't say i didn't see that coming Um, we didn't talk about Sarver and, um, no, we didn't. any of that stuff. So if you, uh, miss any of the NBA news, uh, the NBA decided to spend Robert Sarver after a lot of investigation and interviews for one year. And they, you know, they were announced his replacement who was 
I'm forgetting his name, but the funny part about his replacement is he's apparently no better than Sarver. In the Reagan administration or something like? No, it wasn't Reagan. It was, oh, was it? yeah, yeah, yeah. I think so. Yeah. Anyways, he's like no better than Sarver in in terms of uh, fostering that kind of uh, toxic environment. And and some of the stuff that the NBA did was pretty suspect uh, in terms of how Adam Silver handled the press conference. How um, and and look, I. I don't want to like say like oh they had their hands tied because of like legal ease and all of that, but they kind of did because at the end of the day, like Adam Silver works for the owners and and the owners have a great deal to say what kind of happens here, um, and and the the stuff about like oh like our investigations did not find there's to be like racially or or, or sexually motivated in in any way See, reads a lot like lawyer speak in terms of like hey like you know, if this went to court, we would be obligated to prove it. And, and at this moment, I don't know. It's, it seems like, it seems like they were trying to avoid um, making accusations that they could get sued over, which is stupid uh, in my opinion, because I think anyone can call a spade a spade and uh, Sarver just really needs to get out of here. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I mean, the thing that bothered me most, and we talked about this a little bit is, is just, is, some of the things that anytime Adam Silver said something that could even be remotely construed as defending his character, that was that was the line for me because there was a lot of things that you like you said there was, you know, this is what if you want to say had to happen for for legal reasons or, or what you know what was always going to happen something like this and he was never going to be, you know, forcibly removed. But you don't have to say that you know he's made strides in his 18 years when that's that's a, a uh, you know, patently false. I mean, there are clear examples re- even recently about how problematic he's been. And so that's, that's what really upset me. Um, and, you know, I don't know. I, it's, it, it is very, very bothersome. And I, I feel for whoever, all the employees who were, you know, putting those uncomfortable and, and hostile environments, it, you know, hearing that you just got to be just devastated. So, it, it's you know he, he could have done better yeah it's it's a pretty steady, shitty situation i'm interested to see what the fallout of it's going to be given the players who have spoken up with chris paul lebron yeah. um, a few yeah paypal uh threatening to withdraw as a as a sponsor um mm-hmm. kia releasing the most non-committal we stand with the NBA's decision and their findings. And it's like, okay, cool. Why'd you even say anything? Like, thank you. <laughs> could have said nothing. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, it's going to be interesting because they now have a year to sort of put in the framework to create a sale and get them out of here, which is hilarious that upon a, a person's punishment could be billions of dollars. Like that is your punishment. You get billions of dollars yeah. or a portion. Like, I don't know what his, like what percent of the sons he owns. Someone said around 35%. So whatever, you know, if it, I guess if the sons are worth $2 billion, then create seven, 700 million um, in, in the pocket. Great. <laughs> I'm sure he, that's a yeah. nice and just, um, Anyways, uh, moving on from the server stuff, more on to the league stuff. Sham Sharania released some reporting regarding the CBA talks that are been progressing. There was a few key points. 
Um, the first of which being that the NBA might look into lowering the the draft age to 18. I think that's been kind of kicked around the 2022 draft. Actually, this previous one was supposed to be the double draft and that didn't happen. And now it might be 2024. And my question is, Mason, who actually wants this to happen? Which party of all the parties involved is incentivized to make this happen? CJ McCollum, man. Get on board with my tinfoil hat conspiracy theory here. So the, the Pelicans, he's up for extension with the Pelicans. The Pelicans, if they get the double draft in 2024 when they own the Lakers draft pick, would have two shots at that. They also have the second runner for the Bulls, which could be okay. And so there's incentive for the Pelicans to want this to happen. CJ is the NBA Players Association president. You know, you scratch my back, and you know they, you know they create a uh, you know an advantageous situation for the Pelicans, and CJ gets paid. So that's what's going on here, Schmidt. Nothing more. But of course, beyond, of course, beyond that, it's, beyond that, your question is a very fair one. Yeah, I mean, like, let's talk about it from a front office standpoint. Just about every front office person I've talked to in the last few years has strongly expressed that if the gates were open for high school players to become eligible again, it would just make the scouting a complete nightmare. Uh, it'd be like impossible to not impossible, right? I don't want to use the word impossible. It just, it just makes it overwhelmingly difficult to contact contextualize those players against college players and international players. And it makes everyone's job harder and resources are already stretched too thin in terms of, you know, watching all these players grow and, then you have to make a decision on, hey, this 18-year-old, are you ready to hand them $40 million in guaranteed money? Like, are you, are you ready to hand them and, and invest in them? And then, you know, I, I think I don't think there are front offices that tr- want to make their job more difficult than it already is. And you can see the draft has already been kind of a crapshoot. Uh, and front offices aren't that great at it. Some are, some aren't. Um, I don't think they they want that. Uh, so there's that. Two, from the 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 vet standpoint, the current player standpoint, why would they want to increase the number of players entering each year that will potentially take their spot? Would I guess is that a is that second point a long term concern though? Or is that just a short term concern as the as we kind of calibrate for this the the additional year i mean it depends right it depends on if there's any further changes made to accommodate for those roster spots that are available but if you don't make changes to roster spots then why why would current players be on board with increasing the player pool yeah i'm I'm it's kind of like a math exercise to a certain degree because like there's a, there's the obviously the, the year one, which is like a shock to the system, right? Cause you have twice as many players, um, you know, that are coming up. Is it twice as many? No, it's not two X. It's definitely not, but, but it's, it's. So, and then that, that ties into my third point is do the young players even want it? Because if you don't go in the first round, you're putting yourself up to a lot of financial risk. So if you don't go in the first round, you're not getting that guaranteed money. You have these days options with the G League and Knight that that pay you pretty well. You have options with, with NIL rules that pay you pretty well. You have options with the NBL. You have options to go to Europe. You have options to play in other professional leagues um, and then solidify your stock into the first round. So 
how many players are we going to see truly make that jump? And and to me, I think it would be players who are surefire, not like surefire, but like yep. are are some of the top prospects in their class. Yeah, like yeah, I agree. And so I think it would have been like last year, um, if if Chet Holgram didn't go to Gonzaga, I think people knew he was going to be one of the better prospects, and I think he would have jumped into the NBA, probably been taken pretty high in that draft, knowing that, hey, we have years to develop this guy. So players, I think that are, so it benefits those guys. How many players a year, like fit that qualification? Like, look look at the stuff with Shaden Sharp this year. I mean, he ended up going top seven, which was like great for him. But like that, that was already so messy from an evaluatory standpoint. Like people, teams had no idea what to do with that. Yeah, so... I mean, hard, hard to put a number on it, but I think, yeah, it's going to, it's going to impact the the players at the top of the draft or the, the surefire lottery picks. You'll have some guys who, if they're projected in the first round that, you know, it's, it's an extra year of being a professional in the NBA. And, and so I could see as, if you, if you're getting assurances or you're getting, if it's likely that you're going to be a first round draft pick, that's, you know, guaranteed contracts. And I can see it because even the best alternative is not making as much money as that. And so, I don't know. I, I, I think it'd be maybe a few more players and just a surefire lottery picks, but but your, your point still stands. Yeah. I mean, there's probably going to be players that fall to the second round too that are interesting 18-year-olds that decide to stay in the, the draft and teams are like, all right, cool. Like, let's just take a flyer on this guy and get him into our organization, see what he does. You may give him a two way, maybe give him a couple like years, non guaranteed and, and, you know, put him through the G league system. There's going to be interesting stuff. Um, but I don't know. It just seems pretty complicated. And I just don't see a whole lot of financial incentive to get this done from, from many sides. And the thing that I kind of talked about is maybe they, they increase the number of two way slots available from, from two to three. I think that would, uh, that would make a meaningful difference. Uh, I think teams would be more willing to, to accept that. I mean, we, we, we should talk about the human side of this, which is they're 18. They should be able to go play professionally. Right. And so like, I feel like this is the, this is the right thing to do. And whether you're again, it, 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 when, when we're talking about who's motivated to actually make this happen. Yeah. I, it's, it's hard to figure out like where this, where this would be coming from beyond that. This has been talked about for a while, but look, they're they're 18 they should be able to go play in the nba if they want to go play in the nba so i'm excited that this is this is hopefully not you know something that will happen um but yeah i mean it's we still got to get across the you know across the goal line so fair enough fair enough as long as the pelicans um will gladly grant their pick back to the lakers at the behest of uh joe vardon uh varden whatever his name is um just so brownie can go play with with his dad. Um, anyway, second point in in the CBA uh, talks that was uh, that Shams brought up was deciding to the, for blah, 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 making the luxury tax um, more harsh, more than it currently is, and that is another that is another thing where I'm like, okay, who is actually pushing for this? Like I can't get to the bottom of why the players would want that. If owners are are given another excuse not to go into the tax, 
That means they're going to do what they can to not pay the players what they're worth. And at some point, some players are not going to get the money that they uh, would have gotten because some owners are going to be like, I can't go into the tax. I just won't do it because the penalties are too harsh. So I don't know who, who is actually pushing for that. And then as far as ownership, I mean, I guess ownership would push for it, but why? Like, I mean, ultimately it's their money. There's maybe there's some owners that are just complaining about the Warriors and the Clippers and their big bills, but there's been one team who has spent all of that money actually like come out with a championship, a checkbook championship as Brian Windhorst would call it. <laughs> and, and they already had all of those players like on their roster for the most part. It's not like they like have gamed the system. Like, well, I, I think it's about it's herd mentality to a to a degree, right? So if you're if you're creating harsher penalties for luxury tax teams, the thought would be that that starts to influence even the the biggest spending teams to pull back a little bit, and that inherently reduces market value for everybody. And so that's kind of your your point around why the players wouldn't want it is exactly why the owners would, I think. And it's just it's basically about making sure that. You know, every team thinks a little bit more now about the money they're spending. But you know, we'll see if that if that actually plays out. Yeah, but I mean, my thing is like, if you have a massive luxury tax bill, that's just more money in the league rev share. Like that's going to get redistributed back to the the small market owners that aren't paying the tax. Like that's that's how it works. Mm-hmm. And and so, do they want? less money in that pool because the the penalties are harsher. Um, and again, I just, you know, find me the team. Everyone's like, Oh, these owners are just going to spend, 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 spend. And that creates a competitive advantage. Uh, where, where is that competitive advantage? Mikhail Prokhorov spent like $300 billion. I don't know. I'm making that amount of up, but he spent an insane amount of money with those nets um, back then before he sold the team to Josiah. Uh, he never won anything. Right. The Clippers, Bombers, spend, 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 spend. They haven't won anything. The Warriors spend, 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 and they won. But they had Steph on the roster. They had Clay on the roster. They had Draymond on the roster, and they traded for Wiggins. It's like, all right, cool. Like, they won. Great for them. But I just don't see it being an issue where, like, oh, well, Golden State's going to keep spending, and they're going to keep winning. Like, those guys are 35 years old. I mean, the, the Nets The Nets were just a roster-building disaster, right? I, I I find it hard to to throw stones at the Clippers because they've had just some devastating injury problems. And and to Bombers, to Bombers, I, yeah, I mean, broader point, I get it. But, I mean, Bombers, Bomber invested more money in the team last year because of what it could be this year. And so I, I kind of want to jury still out a little bit on, on hit on the Clippers, I think, but uh, yeah, I mean, injuries happen. It can derail even the most expensive team um, or just incompetence in the next case. But yeah, I mean, there are, there are a lot of ways that, that things can go south no matter how much money you spend. Dude, I, all I'm saying is that if Balmer wants to open up his checkbook, making these ten- penalties harsher, isn't going to stop Bomber. That's just going to make the disparity from wealthier owners to non-wealthier owners, or I guess owners who, they're all fucking wealthy. I don't want to use that term. They're all wealthy. It's just going to make the disparity between willing owners and unwilling owners even yeah. greater. Throw up, throw up that comment. <laughs> it's, that's, pretty much, that's pretty much what you're saying. What, where? The, the, the last one. This one? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's silly. Like if you, if you, if it's so stupid, these are all people with billion dollar net worths. And if they want, if they want to complain about other 
owners spending their money, then they should just spend some more. Just spend some more. Like, oh my God. <laughs> like, it's not that hard of a concept. You have all of the money in the world and you're not going to run out of it. And, and you're just never going to run out of it. It's, it's you, never going like, to. You think that, that some of the owners for some of the, for the smaller market teams, like, get calls from their NFL or MLB brethren and, and say like, you, your average salary is what you spend how much on who? And just like starting to get like annoyed about it. Like how much of that is like, just, just, I mean, because the contracts are a little bit wild in the NBA compared to others, which is just the nature of the sport and, and the number of roster spots. But still like it's, I, I do, I do wonder how much, how much talk talk there is amongst uh, some of these. It's Ultra I don't want to, I don't care about what these billionaires talk about. Just spend some money. Like, like the Pelicans <laughs> have fair. never, ever, ever paid the tax in their history. Never, yeah. never. And we're all optimistic that Gail Benson's going to do it, especially when, you know, push comes to sub and Zion's here and Brandon's here and they're going to be good. We're all optimistic. The last thing we need is another reason for the people in her ear to be like, oh, I don't know if we should open that checkbook. Yeah. I don't know, Miss Miss B. I, I don't know. We should probably spend it on our football team. Like that's the last thing we need is that. Yeah. Like, like we already have people in the NBA who are ownership level people talking about how Milwaukee lost like $40 million a year they won a championship. That's a loser mentality. What do you mean lost $40 million? They won a fucking championship. Like what are we what are we talking about here? You guys are, are worth billions of dollars. Yeah, and if you read if you read Sam Amick's article about the Lakers today, you'll see that they're already targeting Chris Middleton as a as a possible free agent next summer. So they're they're it's they're they're like a four year hundred sixty million dollar deal. What is he a free agent already? Next next year, yeah. What? <laughs> what? Pretty sure. Yeah, okay. There's no way Chris Middleton. I gotta Google this contract. Give me a second. <laughs> Yeah, man. Hold on. I thought he signed with Drew and he signed that four-year, like, $160 million. He's got a player option for 23. Oh, my God. You're right. <laughs> Where did time go? Huh. We'll see. That'd be something. If, if it's the two teams the Pelicans own future draft picks from having a a, a standoff for, for Chris Middleton. Yeah, I, that, that'll be great. Be fantastic. <laughs> But yeah, um, so the there was there was something else in the in the Shams article. It talked about players discussing how to create generational wealth and potentially getting an equity pool or something similar. It was very vague language, and and I think he just wanted to just throw the word equity in there because it's a buzzword, <laughs> and it could mean fucking anything. And and I don't I don't know if there is. A meaningful pathway for for them to accomplish the within this round of negotiations, but I would bet that the players are using this to negotiate for something else. We're like, yeah. hey, we want this, but really, what we really want is this other thing. And probably spending the money idea. <laughs> we actually want it in Spencer Coin. <laughs> Spencer Coin. <laughs> <laughs> Give us, give us, um, yeah, every, for every uh, $10 million we make, give us $1 million in Spencer coin. <laughs> he, he, uh, he, I don't think he lost a lot of money because he um, got a portion of his contract in Bitcoin. I'm pretty sure. I don't know. Not, 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 not something I follow, but uh, yeah. Good for Spencer. 
that's going to be very interesting. Anyways, uh, we've gone on for an hour and the questions have stopped rolling in. So uh, we're going to end this with a shout out to our sponsor, the one and only DraftKings. Uh, obviously, football season is here and I love <laughs> football. <laughs> so the NFL action is in full swing here at DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of the NFL. We're talking touchdowns. Big plays and even bigger wins. And if you're a new customer, you can bet just $5 on any NFL team and get $200 in free bets. So you know me. I'm going to put on $5 on the Saints, I guess. That's the team I know. <laughs> and I can bet, I can get $200 in free bets. So uh, download the DraftKings Sportsbook app right now. Use the promo code BOOT, B-O-O-T, and get $200 in free bets if your team wins when you place your $5 bet on any football game. So me, being this football idiot I am, I'm going to place this $5 bet and get $200 in free bets. So that's code BOOT, B-O-O-T, and only at DraftKings, which is the official partner, uh, best sports betting partner of the NFL. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, crisis counseling and referral services can be accessed by calling 1-800-GAMBLER. That's 1-800-426-2537. So you heard it, folks. That's DraftKings. And uh, I do want to shout out Royal Honda for also sponsoring our podcast, which was uh, very nice of them to do. DraftKings. That was was nice. That was well done. (laughs) 